You're listening to Your Credit Today with your host, Angela Setters-Vissard, sponsored by Conquer Credit Management. Hey, 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 what's up, party people? And party, I guess, is what some of you are going to be doing because July 4th is coming up where we celebrate this great country. And I know that right now it seems to be a little bit tough because America is divided in a lot of different ways, but we have an opportunity to come together and to remember what this great U.S., what this land stands for. Let's stand up for Mother Justice. Let's stand up up um, for the poor and the brokenhearted and tell someone on July 4th and you know what, every day that you love them and do something wonderful in the world. And, you know, while you're partying on July 4th and looking at all the fireworks and things of that nature, let's remember those that fought for this great nation. I mean, there were so many people that died for us, um, saving this country and um, walking out for this country. And I just want to tell you family members that were left over, we thank you. And we are so proud of the U.S. and this country. I kind of want to start, but I won't do that because, you know, I I don't sing. So anyways, we're going to get into our subject matter today, which is divorce and credit. You know, I really hate hearing that word divorce, but I know that it happens. And it's an unfortunate thing. But the thing is, is that it's really important that when you are uh, talking about divorce or going through the process of divorce, that you have a plan and that you and your soon-to-be ex um, can agree on things with respect to your finances and your credit. And I know that that is super tough with a lot of different situations, but I can tell you if you can, those of you that are in the earshot of my voice, if you can humble yourself and sit down and just stomach making a plan of action and writing it out, you will be so much more happier in the next couple of years once you're on your own and trying to make things happen. So we're going to be talking about the different things that I tell uh, divorcees that they need to do during the process. And I, I'm, I'm a part of a group that's called the Divorce Transition Group. And I love this group. Uh, Neil Palachi is the leader of this organization. And I love this organization simply because there are so many people there that want to lend a hand to those that are going through this very, very tough transition in life. Because a lot is at stake. It's not only your finances or your wealth. It is your children. um, It's your psyche. You know, there's a lot of things that are at risk here. And what we want to do as individuals and professionals or trusted advisors is to help you walk through this process unscathed as much as possible. So what I'm going to be focusing on with, which is just a part of the divorce process, is your credit and what needs to happen during that process and uh, the different checklists that you should be putting together in the event that you are talking to your spouse about divorce or you're going through a divorce right now or you have already gone through a divorce and you've got to go back to the drawing board and do these types of things. So the one thing that I tell clients to do uh, when they're going through this process is it's really important to pull your credit reports and understand where things are at. 
There's a lot of different companies that you can go to online to pull your credit reports. There's hundreds of different vendors and companies. The three credit reporting agencies offer a product and service that you can purchase online. But it's very important that you not just look at one of your credit reports, but you look at all three agencies. And we've talked about this before. There's three of them. There's Experian, which is formerly known as TRW, for those of you that remember that. (laughs) And then there's TransUnion and CBI Equifax. It's really important to pull all three of those agencies simply because each agency may have something different that they are reporting. And it's important to find out all of the facts so that you are armored with the information that you need to speak with your soon-to-be ex about. Now, putting a pen to paper, one of the things that I would Uh, tell people to do is sit down and, and let's identify some things. So let's identify our joint credit cards that we have together. It's important to agree on, you know, who's going to be paying the current balances and close all joint accounts and reapply with the same bank. Taking the spouse's name off of the account is not enough. Okay, so if you tell your credit card company, you call them up and say, hey, you know what, I don't want my ex-wife to have access to using my credit card anymore. However, that ex-wife's name is still on the credit card and you haven't closed that credit card and opened a new one in only your name, that can cause a problem later on down the road. It's important to also identify authorized user accounts and do the same thing. If your spouse is an authorized user on your credit card, they don't have any fiduciary responsibility. However, your debt can actually hurt them. And if your credit to debt ratios are high at one month or another, and you're not together any longer, your debt can actually come to hurt them if they're trying to buy their own house or buy their own car or use their own credit for something else. So it's really important to identify those authorized user credit cards and take the spouse off of that credit card and now you only have it on your own. So you wouldn't have to cancel that account like the other one that we were talking about, the joint accounts. Joint credit card accounts means that you both have fiduciary responsibility. However, with an authorized user credit card, that authorized user is not responsible for making payments. The only thing that happens is that information is recorded and reported to their credit history. So to avoid arguments down the road, I would say it's important to identify which are joint and which are authorized user accounts. Now, remember, a lot of people say, well, closing credit cards is going to hurt my credit history. I understand that, but it's essential and it's important to the process when you are dividing estates, so to speak. And your credit estates are the same thing. You want to make sure that you separate them because as you go on, uh, not together any longer, it's important to set up your own credit identity. The other thing that's really important, and attorneys usually will advise you on this, but mortgage loans and who's keeping the home. Now, it's not just enough uh, with respect to who's keeping the home, because sometimes in the divorce decree or in the process, one of the spouses will be responsible for continuing to make those mortgage payments, but you will still stay in the home. So it's important that if that's not the case, 
okay? And you come down to the fact where you understand who is actually keeping the home, it's important to refinance and remove the existing spouse off of the loan. And the reason for that is, is that if you're going to continue to make the mortgage payments and the home is going to be yours, that when your other spouse goes to purchase their own home, if they have the existing home on their credit history, number one, it could be considered an investment property and not their sole property. And the interest rates can be different. The loan can be different. And then if you ever make any late payments on your existing mortgage or you have any problems, the ex-spouse can be incited where that information can actually show up on their credit history. So we want to make sure and identify who is going to be keeping the home, who's going to be paying the loan, and in the best circumstance, refinance to remove the existing spouse off of the loan. You also want to do something else, which is run a title report to ensure that there's no liens or any pending action against the property and discuss that and settle it ahead of time. If there's been any mechanics liens, if there's any tax liens, if there's any property liens, things of that nature that are on the house that, you know, years later could come back to you and ask you to pay them, specifically judgments. I was dealing with a client actually just this morning, and she was very, very upset. She has been divorced for the last 12 years, and she's in the middle of just doing what we're talking about. She's in the middle of purchasing a home, and unfortunately, the lender pulled her public records and found that there is a judgment on her public records from 12 years ago. Now, we've talked about this before and the fact that judgments actually have a 20-year staying power. Once they're filed, they're good for 10 years, and whoever has filed that judgment actually has the opportunity to refile it for another 10 years. So it has a staying ability for 20 years. Not to mention, they're charging penalties and interest throughout those years that it's actually being reported and recorded in the public record system. So here is this young lady. She is up in arms because she wants to buy another home, and it's her first home that she's buying after 12 years of divorce, and now the divorce is still popping up and saying, hey, you know what? You didn't take care of something back 12 years ago when you got the divorce, and unfortunately, she lives in the the state of California, where it's a community property state. And because she was still married to her spouse at that time, and they were only separated, the law states that she owes the debt just as much as her ex does. And if she wants to buy the house, she's going to have to negotiate a settlement on that judgment. So this is why I'm telling you, friends, that it's really important that in the event of a divorce and in the event of separating properties and the existing spouse that's keeping the property gets their own loan and refinances the other spouse off of the property, that you run a title report and ensure that the title is not clouded. What is a clouded title? Again, that's those liens or any type of account or uh, lawsuit, anything legal that is against the property and in first position when you sell it. What does that mean, first position? So if you have tax liens and you sell a home, well, 
the IRS is going to be in first position and they're going to want your money. They're going to want their money out of the proceeds of your home. So again, friends, it's really important to pull that title report. And there are hundreds of title companies out there. You can pay for the report, but if you're in the middle of a uh, a purchasing, most of the time they will give you a title report for free. The other thing is you want to make sure that in the event that you're doing all of this in the beginning where you're refinancing and taking the existing spouse off of the loan, that you also remove the existing spouse officially from title. Got to make sure that you're doing that. Now, credit lines are in the same category because a lot of people, when they're buying a home, what's the one thing that they do? Back in the day when I bought my home, it was really popular to do something called the 80-10-10. So you would put you would put 10% down, you would take a 10% line of credit or equity loan, and then you would get an 80% loan. Well, those are called credit lines or HELOCs, home equity lines of credit. It's really important to identify and discuss a plan of action of who's going to be responsible for that. Now, that loan is actually tied to the home. There's a lien on the home or the home is actually uh, responsible for that particular line of credit. So you would want to make sure that if you are separating and you're not going to be responsible for that loan anymore, you want to make sure that it's refinanced and not in your name any longer. So that's one of the things that I would say to do. The other thing that I see happen all the time is auto loans. And that's a big thing too. You can check the title and inform the bank to remove existing borrowers and change the spouse's name that is keeping the car. So the thing is, is that if you have a car and you are jointly responsible for making the payment, typically what you're going to have to do with that auto loan dealer or that bank is go back to them and you're going to have to refinance the car into the spouse's name that is going to keep the car so that in the event there is a late payment or even a repossession later on down the road, the spouse that's not responsible for making those payments is no longer having that information reported or recorded to their credit history, and they will not suffer the losses if the other spouse makes late payments or actually has the car repossessed. Now, in the event that that happens, my students out there, what have I always told you to do? Get it in writing, get it in writing, get it in writing. So the bank will actually send you a letter verifying that this is completed and approved when it's been refinanced in the other spouse's name. And I would ask my attorney to get a copy of that. You always want to ensure that any type of transaction you're doing, whether it's with the credit card companies, the loans, the auto loans, the the liens that may be being paid on the off on the property. Make sure you get releases, letters from each of these institutions exonerating you. You don't want to have to be responsible for that stuff down the line. The other thing is collections and outstanding bad debts. This is another reason why, once again, that I said it's important to pull your credit history. Let's see what's going on. Let's see what's being reported to your credit history. If there are medical bills and you share children, it's really important that you sit down, put a pen to paper and have an understanding of who's going to pay the medical bills so that you're not stuck holding the bag all by yourself. You know, it's important to ask for a list of debts that maybe your spouse has incurred without your knowledge. 
so that you can avoid collections being reported to your credit history at another date. What am I saying, friends? What I'm really saying is that preparation is super, super important. It's bad enough that you have to go through this process and that you're separating your assets, you're separating your lives, so to speak, even if you share children. But in order to make things not so messy, we just prepare. That's all. And that's what these tips are for today. I hope you've learned something. If you have any questions, please feel free to go to our website, conquercredit.com, make an appointment to see me or ask us a question online. And hey, friends, send this podcast to one of your friends or family members that may be suffering through divorce and needs to have these tips so that they are prepared for life. I thank you so much and I hope you have a wonderful 4th of July.